0: your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? It's really, it's really awful.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Lutheran Stuff No Drama No Drama Podcast. This is Pastor Hoffman, and with me is Zach Lesher. Say hello, Zach.
0: Hey, everybody.
1: Well, here we are, and we're continuing on with our study in Romans chapter 11. Today, we're going to be going through uh, verse 25 to 39 or 36. And we have some great stuff with the text as long as well as a Facebook uh, post that we wanted to add in here because we like to do a little Bible study and a little uh, Lutheran stuff, no drama Facebook group stuff. Stuff that, when it's just so good, we want to share it with the whole uh, podcasting kind of community. So what we'll do is we'll jump right in here. And I'll start by reading, starting in verse 25, St. Paul writes. Oh, by the way, if you're reading from the um, LSB, uh, we are, we are uh, going through it. We're reading that. So if you want to follow along, that'd be great. Okay, so verse 25, St. Paul writes, Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery. Brothers, a partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved, as it is written. The Deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers, For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have now been disobedient in order that, by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience, that he may have mercy on all. O oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways! For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Not bad. No kidding, man. I'll tell you what. This is a this is a this is a trigger verse for some people and for other people it's uh it's uh it's a comfort verse and for well for many of us it's probably a a trigger comfort. It's got enough in there just to get us going. <laughs> Uh, when we look here, um, the first thing we want to note is St. Paul says, lest you be wise in your own sight. Now this here, that's an interesting phrase because it, being wise in your own sight carries with it uh, a, a sense of self-importance or arrogance. Literally the Greek wise into or in yourself and so, uh, your wisdom is coming is 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 from you. <laughs> and um, so, the idea that unless you're arrogant, you're gonna you're gonna have a bad day.
0: <laughs> that, that's right. And what and uh does a proverb teach us? Answer a a fool according to his folly, lest to be wise in his own eyes. Right. Or right. or Paul says to the Corinthians, uh, God chose what is foolish to shame the wise um or they they thought they were wise and they should become fools for Christ's sake right
1: oh absolutely and uh the wisdom of god or the folly of god is wiser than the wisest man and um you see here that um uh and this is the trigger part he says i don't want you to be unaware of this mystery brothers a partial hardening has come upon israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved, as it is written, the Deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So we see here, well, we see how uh, talking about um, Israel is is being kind of slapped around because of the Gentiles and their uh, their unbelief. And when Christ, who did he go to first?
0: He went to his own, and his own did not receive him. That's yeah. what we hear in the Gospels.
1: So um, he went to them first. He made a promise. He kept his promise. He didn't hold anything back, and they just kind of didn't really have it. And, and so when he started... To go on, he found that there were Gentiles along the way and even Samaritans. And so Paul is, Paul is um, saying, you know, all these things that he promised to the Jews, he's now promising to the Gentiles. And it all rotates around one theme, taking away sins, forgiving sins. That is the important aspect of how uh, Israel will be saved Zion will be saved because of faith and the forgiveness of sins, not because they are Israel. Otherwise, they're being saved by their own strength and reason.
0: Well, I I think it's important to point out to our listeners, too, the the reason, uh, there was no reason. It's not like Jesus just kind of stumbled upon his own, and they're like, well, we don't know who this person is. No, 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 no. Jesus had the signs, wonders, miracles. He was fulfilling prophecies. They knew who this guy was, and, you know, he, he said to them, you stiff-necked people, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did in the wilderness. And we also know that, that Jesus wept over Jerusalem, right? He he went out from the city, and he wept, and he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not.
1: Yeah. Boy, so know.
0: yeah, th- this is not a case of mistaken identity here. This is <laughs> this is flat out rejection of the Christ yeah. that that uh, Jerusalem was doing
1: and gathering. And you know, I came here and I would I came to gather you, and it's just not what's happening. And so uh, the next section here really kind of tells us why. Um, he says. Flat out, in verse 28, as regards the gospel, they are enemies for your Gentiles' sake. But as regards to election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now you have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too... Have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience that He may have mercy on all. And so you just listen to that and you just say, Wow. Because, I mean, really, what is He saying here? He's saying that we have uh, uh, he, went, he goes to them and they're stiff necked. And because they're stiff-necked, he moved on and went to the Gentiles. And, and so while the Jews are over there being stiff-necked, the Gentiles are receiving mercy. And he's saying, you know what? And now because of this, um, they're going to receive mercy now. Because they're going, hey, what's what going on? And, and he's saying now they're going to receive mercy too. And you we talked about this a little bit off off air, I remember, last time was you talking about this, um, kind of godly zealous or jealousness not, not the, like the creepy jealousy, but having this jealousy for God to say, you know, they have this and I want that as well, meaning the mercy of God. and, And that's what he's playing on.
0: Yeah, that's right. And, and that's a great point. You know, jealousy is not always bad because, uh, God is, is a jealous God. That's, that's what he says. But but he's jealous for good reason because he's the only God, you know. So he doesn't want you worshiping idols. He alone is due all glory. So it's like if my kids go next door and they start calling my neighbor dad, you know, I'm going to be a little jealous because I'm the real dad. I'm like, what are you talking about? I feed you. I clothe you. I, I put a roof over your head. That's how God is to us. and And, and he'll spur us on uh, to good works and faith and so on through jealousy and, and jealousy can be a good thing. If it's a godly jealousy, if it's a yearn for, you know, good works and deep faith and and those sorts of things.
1: Well, absolutely. Um, and, uh, I was, I was, I was going to note that, you know, as an LCMS Lutheran, for example, something that CFW Walther said, you know, um, you know, we have the gospel, we have the sacraments, you know, we're, we have this, this, this pure doctrine. And, and he said, you know, if we were to disappear today, God would raise up somebody else. And I'm not saying that the LCMS is the only Christian church. I'm not, I'm not even playing that game, but I am saying that when you, you look at our stances on faith, we have the pure gospel, we have the sacraments, these are amazing gifts from God, and we, we bring them to a fallen and broken world. People, people's unbelief has changed to belief. Their lives are changed forever. And, you know, that's why I'm a Lutheran. I mean, that's really why I'm a Lutheran. There's this freedom in God's word, in his gospel, the distinction of law and gospel. We're not gospeling. You know, there's just something very special about that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, while while we were talking off air, um, you know, Jesus said uh, on Palm Sunday, you know, when Jesus was riding in on, on a donkey, and I mean, the whole point of the donkey was humiliation, right? Because he's coming back on a white horse. So yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, don't don't let the donkey deceive you, because he's coming back to judge with fire. So he's coming back in glory, but. You know the the Pharisees they were saying Hosanna, Hosanna to the Son of David in the highest. And the Pharisees knew what this was. They were calling him the Christ, mm-hmm. and they're like, make him stop, make these people shut up. And and Jesus is like, you know what, bro? I tell you, <laughs> if these are quiet, the stones will cry out.
1: Oh, boom! So, yeah, that was yeah, I that mean, was the mic God drop.
0: God <laughs> has complete control over His creation,
1: and isn't that amazing? Um, Jesus makes this point that. These people who have faith, they have the Holy Spirit, they're crying out in rejoicing in the presence of the Christ. And yet these are some of those of Israel that are hardened, are looking over there and going, wow, they're, well, first they're like, they're going after a man and there's telling them, tell your people to be quiet. And he says, "If, if I were to quiet them, the very stones would cry out. It's to say that, you know, Uh, even the whole creation bears witness to him and you in the quieting of this voice, it's just not going to happen, bro.
0: No. and, And it's all, it's all for you. It's all for me. It's for our good. It's for the forgiveness of sins. Like you were saying earlier, that's what this all comes full circle back to the the foolishness of god we never defined in the beginning when we were talking about foolishness the foolishness of god is christ crucified yeah that's what's so dumb to the world
1: yeah absolutely and i mean cuz how does the math work out on that so wait a minute god comes as a humble as he comes in the flesh as a humble not to be served but to serve and not only to serve, but to die and rise again. That is the dramatic act of God. Rather than like Zeus coming in on a cloud with lightning or something like that, he comes in and chooses what the world finds foolish, and he changes lives because of it. Incredible. Incredible.
0: Well, and you could see the pagans laughing because they're like, who is this god you serve? He was nailed to a tree, right? Uh-huh. Uh, so your god comes down and he dies. You know, so they they're not seeing the whole point that that God has become man and man has become God here. You know, the, the two natures of Christ, um, not fifty fifty. This is one hundred percent of each. Yep, and um, he dies for our sins. And all the pagan gods are these powerful gods you know anything that the old adam could dream up right so super cool you know like you were saying uh odin and zeus and (laughs) all of these but um i mean they even had their sex goddesses right like oh yeah uh, what what was the one at ephesus there
1: uh i'll think of it um i mean there is the asherah temple was where you would go and have sex with a temple prostitute, and that would enrage and jealous make Asherah jealous, and so or something, and it would give you better. I mean, only a only man is inventing this religion, going
0: right. So they, these are all Adam's ideas, as you can tell. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I got to go have sex with a prostitute. I mean, how Adam is that, right? Yeah. I mean, that's not not. The things of the true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These are Adam's inventions.
1: I'm just trying to Um. be a very pious (laughs) Asherah worshiper.
0: (laughs) Yes. Um,
1: All right, baby, off to church. I never miss church. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Sure. Sure, Adam. Yeah, I know.
1: uh,
0: Yeah, and here you have Christ, like we were just talking about. He came in full humility, full a donkey. You know, he's not. He's not wearing. His bling in all this, right? He's wearing the lowliest of low. He's eating with sinners and tax collectors. And, you know, he's he's talking to Samaritans and Gentiles. That's a big deal because Samaria, you know, fell off into idol worship a long time ago. Yahweh was just one of several gods for them. so. Um, This is a big deal in Christ's humility and what he's done for us for for our justification here by dying um, the debt that we deserve.
1: Well, and you notice how everything we've talked about just doesn't care who you are. I mean, do you notice we're talking about Jews and Gentiles here? And it's the same message that makes each of them jealous and benefit from the works of Christ. So it isn't a, it isn't a tribal uh, uh, sectarian religion for God so loved the world, He sent His Son, you know, And you'll notice this same message that the Jews at first were angry about and later became jealous for and the, the Gentiles who were skeptical because they didn't grow up with it, become recipients of mercy. And it's all the exact same message.
0: Yeah, that's what's so great about it. I mean, and, you know, as, as we were talking, as we're going through verse 29 through 32 here, if you're a Pharisee and reading this, you know, you're going to be triggered because you're <laughs> like, what? You know, these are my promises. What do you mean take them to those filthy Gentiles, those those pig-eating Gentiles who wear whatever they
1: want? <laughs> the
0: piggers? <laughs> Those guys? So, yeah, they're going to be triggered and, and spurred into a godly jealousy. We actually see some of this conviction a little bit different than, than what's going on here with with Peter, right, at the day of Pentecost when he says this this Jesus whom you crucified, right, to the religious leaders and the Pharisees. And it says they were cut to the heart. Some of them were cut to the heart. They repented. We're going to see them in heaven.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: So, I mean, that's that's how merciful God is. You know, you think, well, my, God won't forgive my sins. Did you crucify him? You know, no sin is above the, the forgiveness of Christ, you know.
1: Well, there's something here in the formula of Concord even that I this is kind of what I was alluding to. Uh, The formula of Concord says we should not reach conclusions about our election to eternal life based on reason or God's law. The true judgment about predestination must be learned alone from the Holy Gospel about Christ. And that's from the formula of Concord 11. And so always you only find good news in the gospel. Don't look to your... Old Adam God, because the old Adam God always uses the law because you say, how can we make uh, Asherah smile today? How can we make Asherah or whoever happy today? And so it's always a religion of law. And as the formula points out, the formula of Concord points out, this is an aspect of gospel and it is this good news what is is, uh, the Israel and Gentiles are benefiting from.
0: Oh, you just rolled into verse 35 with that with, or who has given him a gift that he might be repaid?
1: Oh, okay. Well, then let's catch up to that. Um, I did a little bit of an evil Knievel, and I'm sorry about that, but um, I jumped over a couple verses. (laughs) No,
0: it's great. We're flowing. So, I mean, it's it's all lining up.
1: So, as verse 32 is really the trigger for the rest of it, for God has consigned all. To disobedience that he may have mercy on all okay so god's you know everybody's going to be disobedient so that he may have mercy on all well we need that trigger meme right here because um saint paul just says in verse 33 to 36 oh the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of god how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways for who has ha- who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever amen so remember the foolishness of God to the gentiles and and to the to the to the Jews is going to be that well he's consigned that all are disobedient. He's just confessed it. And so that since they're all disobedient, they all have mercy. And this totally removes any hope that I'm a good person. <laughs> so you see this, and this is the trigger because when- This
0: is why the cross is offensive to some, because yes, but yep, that now you're not a good person, right? Right. Along with me, I'm one of those filthy uh, pig-eating, wearing whatever I want, Gentiles over here. Uh, that's, That's not good.
1: No. And so Paul, his exclamation from the depths of faith is to say, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways! He's just come out and said that all are disobedient, and he will have mercy on all of them.
0: That's how just, many? How many? Some? All? All? So, so, for the Calvinists out there that would say Jesus died for some? No, no, no. This is all.
1: Well, that I thought you were just you know quoting out of my chapel, because every every, every Thursday during the summer, Wednesday during the school year, but f- we have chapel, and I will ask the kids, hey who did Jesus, you know, when I preach my sermon and I preach the gospel and I say, well, who did Jesus do this for? And they will say all of us. And I said, not just some of you, they're like, no, all of us. And so from preschool through seventh grade, they are saying this is for us. And so, and you know, you have, you've actually got a pretty wide variety of people here so that is, that is the scandal of Christianity in a nutshell.
0: Well, and to be honest with you, I would have a hard time with a God that just died for some. Yeah. You know, if I was just, like, born and I'm going to hell, like, I mean, that's how I'm born, right? We're all born that way. I'm born and I'm going to hell. Yeah. But, I mean, there is no chance of redemption in there, like like I wasn't ever going to get the gospel or anything. You know, I would have a hard time with that God, and then I mean, think about this. Let's just think about this rationally for a minute. Um, at, at the end of Judgment Day, Paul says, "Like, right? You're you're without excuse, right? Yeah. Because you, in Romans one, we went over this. You're without excuse because of of creation. You know, there's a God, right? Uh-huh. And you know that that everybody knows that this God, the true God, is is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They they may not know the depths of it because they never you know, they resist the spirit like we were just talking about. But I mean, wouldn't I have an argument before God on the last day if I was just damned to hell? Yeah, that's you know wouldn't that's... I wouldn't I be able to like make an appeal case at that point and be like, well, wait a minute. You know, how how can you be just if I was born and just like straight up condemned without without Jesus dying for me also?
1: Right. Well that's the God that um he actually owes you. Um, he's the one you stand in front of him going, "Fine, if he didn't die for me, at least let me show you my works." You know, yeah,
0: it, there's so much uh predestination talk uh, throughout the end of Romans here, I think from chapter 9 even up till now, you know, we're talking about election and and predestination. Now, we Lutherans, we hold to predestination, what we reject is double predestination, and that's what Calvin teaches.
1: Sure and you have to you well if he's going to say he's going to have mercy on all then you have to hold to predestination because there's right. nowhere where he says he has he has uh mercy on on many or on most but some he has none and you know <laughs> otherwise you really have a tangled skein there
0: well, and you know, what, I have a friend that keeps asking me a question. I won't mention any names on air because, uh, you know, he hasn't given me permission to use his name. But uh, we're kind of going back and forth. He's, he's talking with a Calvinist. So maybe I'll throw this out here since we're getting near the end of the chapter. Do you want to keep going on the, on the chapter here?
1: Well, um, you know, I would just say I have to re- go back to what you said about verse 35. Have we given uh, as uh who has given a gift to God that he might be repaid. You know, and that's just not the work. That's God gives openly, completely, totally, and freely. So there's just not this quid pro quo system.
0: Yeah, and, and the sidetrack, let me piggyback that for a second. If you're doing some if you guys are doing good works to uh please God uh, that's kind of saying it wrong because, I mean, we want to be pleasing to God in our works because we do them from faith. But, I mean, if you're just trying to be like, hey, God, look at me, you know, like like the selfish kid, you're doing it wrong. You're supposed to be serving your neighbor. That's what pleases God because he does not need anything from you. He's the creator of all things. He, he, he made you to go do what he commanded you to do originally. Mm-hmm. So from faith. And then that's pleasing to God. So just to piggyback on that verse. Yeah, because uh, you you get the, the a lot of the evangelical world looking for like the super ultimate 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 righteous work, right, man? <laughs> you know what I mean? It, like like which one is going to be the most godly godly work? It's probably changing a diaper. You know that's not what they want to hear, but that's what needs to be done right now. You know, or or whatever is in front of you that needs to be done.
1: I I so. agree. And because he says, and this really has to get us away from works righteousness, is verse 36. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever, amen. So we're not sitting here going, well, is this like, I'm like 1% and he's like 99. And we're like, no.
0: No. Yeah, yeah, that's a great. That's the whole reason for the Reformation, because Luther's like, well, even if I have like, if God does ninety nine point nine nine percent, how do I know I did point zero one percent when I died? That's that's totally contrary to what the gospel teaches, and 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 what you just read. You 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 can't do anything. Jesus did it. Yeah. I mean that should be good news to everybody, you know, but that's a, a huge stumbling block like Paul's talking about to the Jews here who have, have been hardened. Yeah. They don't like that.
1: The life we live doesn't energize our salvation. The life we live is a joyful um, is a joyful response to what we have been given. In other words, it's it's normal to rejoice when somebody gives you something good. It's normal to hear your father and trust him. And this is the new man, by the way, I'm speaking to. The old Adam can just shut up for a minute. But um, the you know this kind of stuff. And when people get all worried about this, you know, well, no, no, loving your neighbor because he needs it. You know, this kind of stuff. It's just part of the Christian life. Leave the justifying and sanctifying to Jesus.
0: <laughs> you know, I... You ever have anybody be like, "Hey, man, you're acting like a jerk right now," and you're like, "Yeah, I know, but I'm in a bad mood." Yeah. Because you you know it's the old Adam. from now on, when somebody's like, "Hey, you know, you're acting like a jerk," I think I'm just gonna be like, "Yeah, it's Adam." Yeah. You know, he's poking through right now. I mean, <laughs>
1: I think of those Freddy Krueger movies. Where his face, it looks like the wall turns into rubber, and his face is poking in there. <laughs> Have you ever seen those movies? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. So it, it's like it's like uh, the Jekyll and Hyde, right? When he's changing, and you're like, no, no, you know, he's <laughs> trying to fight. Him. He's like, stop, stop, you know. And that's that's what it feels like to the Christian. You're like, oh, he got out for a moment. I'm so sorry about that. You mm. know, and that's that's the Christian life is it's not the fact that. That Adam got out it's how you handle it you know and and that's usually with a lot of apologies
1: yep drowning him in your baptism hey you know what I think I segued um I did not mean to but my Freddy Krueger reference made me think of that post you wanted to talk about from the no drama Facebook group yeah let's roll into it well I got it pulled up here in my computer so we had a very faithful uh, listener and watcher and everything uh, type up something here and for us to consider. And by the way, thank you all the No Drama Lutherans for your thoughtful and not dramatic responses to this. And you guys, they're amazing. So um, I'll just go on with this. The person writes, uh, last night at fireworks with my LCMS church, I was reminded of some of the confusion I have coming from various Reformed evangelical churches. First, at dinner, my pastor talked about alcohol, movies, and TV shows, and a girl he dated, and he wasn't favorable about it, before dating his wife who was sitting next to him. He's not a drunk, and he obviously adores his wife and is faithful to her. I'm sure he doesn't watch the most blasphemous or inappropriate movies, so I'm not concerned that he's sinning in these areas. It's just that this is so different from what I'm used to from Christians, and especially the pastor. Then, second, they write, There was alcohol, beer, and mixed drinks served after dinner outdoors, after and during fireworks. This is completely new to me. I've been to churches where you'd be shunned, For serving beer at your home. I don't think for health reasons, but I don't disapprove of moderate drinking. I know I have a double standard for Christians who think I should be more abstaining. I hope someone understands why I bring these up and can give your insight. And thanks for reading my long post. Well, I will tell you what, poster. You are the kind of person. You are the kind of newthren that we created this podcast for. So I'm, I'm excited to even talk about this.
0: Yeah, and it's a, a great question too concerning conscience.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, because first of all, in in she uh, she or he I can't remember uh, does well to point out. Um, that there were there was during the Fourth of July celebration, and the pastor seemed to have you know could talk about alcohol, movies, TV shows, and ex girlfriend. Um, and you see that she she wasn't saying that that was the problem. She was saying as a Lutheran, a Lutheran, <laughs> as a Lutheran, she found that to be interesting because in her background. Um, it is very different from what she's used to. That a pastor would never speak of such things, and would never talk of those such things. And and when it came to alcohol, um, she's like, you know, the guy's not getting drunk. He's 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 enjoying alcohol moderately. Um, but that was new to them because in in the churches that are in her experience, um, or his, uh, you'd be shunned for serving beer in your own home and so for a person that chooses not to drink but doesn't disapprove of moderate drinking well i would say that is that is a lutheran uh point of view to say that you know um i and so so i just thought what a great thing to bring up about personal piety and conscience
0: yeah so I think in the comments this is where uh the comments in the comments that was mentioned this was a pentecostal upbringing i think, and um the term that they usually get coined with is holy rollers and and that's for this reason here they'll say you know if you do this 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 uh it's bad. So they basically take an entire list of things that Scripture does not say are bad. On the contrary, Scripture, you know, says wine is good. I mean, Jesus Jesus made the best wine, right? He took water and he turned it into wine. Now, nowhere does he give permission to get drunk, right? But, I mean, he gives the permission in, in Ecclesiastes, uh, wine that makes the heart glad, right? Um and i mean let's let's just think of the 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 lord's supper too i mean he instituted it as a sacrament he used wine mm-hmm. uh to receive as his very true blood so um when we're talking about these things basically it boils down to uh some of the upbringing is bad because they've what what's happened is is people with good intentions you know have made a list of laws that you need to to follow that, that aren't really biblical, that the, that the Bible doesn't make.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Um, but when you're talking about, um, you know, the word moderation doesn't seem to come up enough in conversations. And so when people say, well, are Christians allowed to go to movies? And, and I would say, well, I wouldn't go to the last Star Wars movie, but not for any real reason. That's biblical. I'm just really angry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I'm just saying that, you know, if you're going to sit there in mixed company, um, maybe, you know, Terminator Judgment Day might not be the conversation topic, even though you do like to see people shooting at robots from the future with uh Futuristic weapons and things like that, but um, maybe you know when you talk about in your company, well, there's some people there that you know maybe that that's a hard for them to. So you want to kind of know your audience, especially as a pastor. I will say you do need to kind of know your audience. I mean, uh, so it's that's kind of what we're dealing with here. And and she was kind of surprised because. In her upbringing, it was pastors just plain didn't talk about that stuff. And in my experience as an atheist, the the most pious of I never do anything wrong to you than the neighbors are some of the freakiest people I'd ever met.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know what? And, and I can't remember where I heard this, but it was a while ago. And I'm going to say because it totally fits right here. And, okay, so if we picture somebody watching a movie, and they say, I'm not going to watch this because there's there's too much murder and, and cuss words in here. Instead, I'm going to watch QVC. <laughs> now, l- l- yeah, let's think about this logically for a minute. So you've tried to do away with a couple commands. Let's say number five, you know, obviously cussing is not a good thing. We We don't want you running around just, speaking all kinds of nastiness, um, you know, if you smack your, your thumb with a hammer, I'm not going to beat you up too bad for what shoots out. Um, but, you know, you turn to QV, QVC and what are you doing the whole time? You're sitting there coveting. Coveting. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So uh, you just switched thinking that you're keeping the law. But you're not because you just you switch commands and you're kind of weighing which ones are better, you know, as opposed to uh, not letting the law serve its proper function. So with these things, with movies and music and and alcohol, like you said, moderation and conscience is key.
1: Right. And um, and like the concern is and it's a good one, uh, uh, and you were right about it being a holiness. Uh, it was referred to as coming from a type of holiness Pentecostal cult. Uh, their words, not mine. Um, and so being with some of that mixed company there, the concern was, well, those people are are definitely going to think, why is the pastor talking about this? And, and honestly saying, I don't know if... Uh, if this person's really a Christian, because he went and saw—I um, don't know, I don't know—the Deadpool or something. I don't know. I haven't seen Deadpool too, but I'm just saying that you know, as a pastor, we we kind of have to know what we're talking about, and we also have to gauge our company. So, um, if you're in mixed company, well, I'm—I tend to be somebody who kind of withdraws anyway. A little bit and i'll talk about just kind of superficial things and um but once i get to know somebody better then well it's just like any other relationship as as you get to know a person better the nature of your relationship changes so for this person's post they bring up some very good points and they also for pastors if you're listening bring up some very good cautions for us especially when not just when we're with our parishioners, but when we're with the, the people maybe even outside of that circle that um that might be pre <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, and you know what? Let's let's take this to Jesus' words. I think Jesus says this perfectly to the Pharisees. He says, you know, and this is like to the Pentecostals uh that, that we're dealing with that this is the way that they were acting, is he says You know, you wash your cup from the outside, but it's filthy inside, you know, meaning that you can look super righteous and pious and holy outwardly, but Jesus is pointing out the problem is inward. It's sin, you know, and and you can't just, you can't scrub that away internally. That's got to be done through word and sacrament. I mean, um, it's got to be done by Christ himself, so... To outwardly look righteous is is an easy thing to do. But I can promise you, nobody's living up to it. Nobody, you know, like I just, I gave the QVC analogy there. They just switched to another sin and they're coveting instead. Sure. So, yeah, like you were saying, and, and this is what's great with me, is I have a great relationship with my pastor. So we can talk about certain movies and stuff like that, you know, both pastors, and uh, some of them would be like, "Really, you watch that? That that bothered my conscience." And then vice versa, be like, "Really, you watch that? That bo- bothers my conscience." So, you know, it's it's you, you have it flipped uh, back and forth. But you you know, you definitely want to go with conscience. And if it does bother you, or if it is causing you to stumble, then get rid of it. If it's not, you know, in moderation, everything can be okay. I mean, right. that's obviously not going against the Ten Commandments. You're true. not going to escape worldly things here in the world. Paul makes that clear. What in First Corinthians five, you know, when he when he talks about the world, for then you'd have to go out of the world, which I guess the Amish took that literally <laughs> and they, they, they left. Uh, that's where they get their theology. Yeah, but you're not. Yeah, you're not going to escape the things of the world while you're in the world, and you know we're we're not going to go ahead and indulge in them, but you're, you're going to run into them every day. And it's just something that we have to deal with. It's part of bearing our cross. And, you know, so, I mean, you know, the movies you're going to watch, you might have a a two-hour movie that's a really good movie. And the 10 minutes in there, you know, there's there's a good chunk of adultery and some murder, you know. Um, I wouldn't say throw out the two-hour movie for the 10 minutes. Try and ignore the 10 minutes. I I fast-forward if I can. If it's on TV, I might flip the channel But I enjoyed the movie, you know, so if it's going to cause you to stumble, you know, fast forward, turn the channel, walk out of the theater, go get another uh, pop or whatever, and and just come back when that scene's over. But you're not going to escape, you know, the worldly things while you're in the world.
1: No, I think you're right. You know, and uh, on that note, I think that's uh, that's all we got time for for today um you know what this is really good i'm one i'm glad that we were able to treat the rest of romans 11 and two i'm really glad that we got to uh to address that issue oh by the way our bumper stickers came in nice so uh they're awesome and i'm trying to figure out what to do with them so all of our podcast listeners uh if you if you are, uh, yeah, subscribe up, get people to subscribe, but, um, let us know what we should do with them Post it in our group. And, uh, so yeah, that's all we have time for tonight. So this is, uh, Pastor Hoffman for Zach Lesher saying, thank you very much and God bless your week.